Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. Thank you for joining us on another episode. I want to draw your attention to the Officer Elimination Board for Captain Seth Ritter. That's going on April 21st and 22nd. That's a Thursday and a Friday. Captain Ritter is a prior enlisted officer with a wife and four children. And he's being punished for informing soldiers of their legal rights in regards to EUA products and how they have sovereignty over their body. He is also facing a significant amount of retaliation and reprisal. I recently spoke about him when he was held in the hospital against his will. The person that he was drawing the charges against has recently announced that he will be retiring and turned his quite public Twitter account into a private account. The times of his board start at 10 on April 21st and 22nd. At the first SFAB building, 9195 Conference Room. Attire is OCP or civilian clothes. Please, we don't want any demonstrators, threats, or outbursts. But if there's any way that you can show your support, please show your support for this man as he's going through a very difficult time. We're all praying for you, Captain Ritter. Now, most of this information I've been able to get from Danny at Terminal CWO. This episode will be a collaboration episode with Alex from Health Freedom for Humanity podcast and with Danny from Terminal CWO. Let's go ahead and get started with the interview. Thank you for joining Danny and then Sam. So I want I want to start this with uh, asking how you even ventured into this space. Cause it's, it's rare that um, someone in the military comes across uh, the inconsistencies and inaccuracies of things behind the pharmaceutical industry and, and what have you. Um, and I, you know, I want to be careful, careful with wording here and, and not to speak for you, but uh, how, how have you come to understand the, the harmful nature of these particular shots and everything else that goes into that? Well, first, I want to thank you for having me on, and I want to let you know that I am currently off-duty. I'm not in uniform, as you can see. Um, any view that I give is solely my own, and it does not represent the DOD, Department of the Army, or the U.S. government in any way at all. Um, so when this first came out, I was in Alaska, and I had just uh, spent, like, I was the only doc who, who volunteered to go out into our COVID clinic. And to give you an idea of what it was like, it was March. March in Alaska, still below zero temperatures, so cold that like th- thermometers don't work. And so you have to figure out a way to get them warm. And so that's kind of, for a month and a half, I was out in this tent, and we didn't diagnose a single person with COVID. And I was very liberal with my testing, uh, probably more than you know pushing the CDC limits, uh, guidelines to the limit, like right on that line, maybe even as close to that line as anyone could push without like when, when you say li- when you say liberal with the testing you're like testing 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 as as many people as possible anybody that would get the minimum criteria and sometimes i got it you know 
be creative with with some of them. It's like, well, you can't smell. Okay, well, let's let's go ahead and test it. And a month right. and a half of being out there, not a single positive test. And to give an idea, like we had rapid testing in house because of other uh, missions. Was that, was that pretty shocking? Like to to see that, like the like, especially if you're being really liberal with the testing, and there's there's no positive test coming back. Were you using the uh, RT PCR? Like that was, I was like, was I think it was BioFire. I think it was BioFire was okay. the brand. I, I bio something. Um, okay. Well, yeah, was, well, it, was it? A, was it? Did it use PCR assay, it did. assays, yeah. or did it use like? Okay. It was a PCR, and that was back before I knew about the cycling and how they didn't do it the normal way. So I, I, I don't know how many cycles they did. Um, but I also would do flu at the same time, which no one was doing at that time. At least you know they didn't recommend to do flu and strep. But we did get some flu. We did get some strep, so we treat them as well because uh, it's all about the patient, right? You got to help people. And then sometime in was it January of twenty one when they came out with Moderna and uh, Pfizer ingredient list, there was some compounds in there that I'd never heard of before. And so I looked them up and that was, those compounds are called DSPC and DSPE. And those are lipid nanoparticles. And there is a patent and I'll, I'll tell you the patent number. It's US patent 10.485.884. Title is Composition of Methods for Delivery of Agents to the brain. And so DSPE and DSPC were specifically patented to deliver medications directly through the blood-brain barrier into the brain. And the significance of that is our body has a wall that keeps things out of the brain space. And so we call it a blood-brain barrier. There's a couple other places like a, a blood retinal barrier, blood testes barrier to keep the immune system away from those areas. And this, and so when, yeah. when you came across this, like, what was your reaction to to seeing something like this? And w- were you were you skeptical of of the shot, or was it just because you saw in the like ingredient list that there was you know additives and other things that weren't there in previous shots? Like, were you just wanting to research for the sake of researching? What what was the intent behind it? So it was an interesting point in my life as well. So it's when I started questioning everything that I've learned in medicine. And so it, these two things hit right at the right time. So about a month before COVID blew up big in the United States, I had started carnivore diet. Uh, and it was to treat some medical conditions that I have. I have a condition called idiopathic hypersomnolence, uh, narcolepsy, basically the same thing. And now it doesn't cure it. But if I eat things that I shouldn't, if I eat carbs when I shouldn't, then my medications that I take to help stay, keep me awake, they actually um, don't work. And so I'll, I'll get incredibly tired for periods of time. You know, it's not like it's it's not like the movie Deuce Bigelow where, you know, just it, it's not like that. It's but it is like normal. And then like you've been up for 24 hours or 48 hours and then go back to normal. So it's just this it's it is controllable. It can be difficult at times. And so right around that time, I've read some books. One of the books was Lies My Doctor Told Me by uh, Ken Berry, uh, Dr. Ken Berry. And I encourage every physician out there to read it and every person to read it because there's many things that we think because we've been told them, but the evidence and the research isn't there. And so yeah, coming I from, want to ask you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, keep going. Sorry. I, I just I want to ask you along with that thought and keep going with that same train of thought. But my question is this. You as a physician, and I hit the same point, definitely not as a physician, but as just a, a thinking human being where I was like, am I wrong? I'm looking at this stuff and I, I'm questioning myself. Like I'm, I know who I am. I know I know how to read. 
I know how to, I know how to put one and two together and get three, and I know how to connect the dots and stuff. But man, like, how am I going against this this flood of uh, this flood of people and information coming against me? Am I the one that's wrong? Did you go through that with a cognitive like bias? I was I was blessed enough to where when I was in Alaska, there was a doctor who was <clears throat> excuse me who was um, kind of the same mind mindset. And was was curious, and you know she wasn't on the meat thing, uh, the meat train, as as I like to say, as I was. Uh, but she was at least open to talk about it, right? And she was kind of skeptical of these shots as well. And and we talked about some other things. Um, but but so getting back to the the DSP CDSPE thing, um, I looked them up, looked up their material material safety data sheets on them because it's like, well, I don't know what this stuff is. Let me look it up. And it says not for human use, not for research in humans, not for medical use. And wow, yeah, I mean, and so I'm like, hmm. So this the dude's FDA on says, active duty. No, no, no. She's been able to to escape the. Oh, she. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, and okay. so I'm glad she's been able to to get out of this system since then. Um, but yeah, so it says not for human use. And it's like, okay, well, let me look into these a little deeper. And that's when I discovered this this patent that says that they're made to take them to the brain. And so kind of the, the idea amongst us physicians was this would be like other immunizations where you get them in your arm and it stays in your arm and it causes a little inflammation there and it causes you know, your immune system to react and really complex stuff. I'm just a failing physician. Um, but it, they put a compound in there to specifically take it to the brain, not to leave it in your arm. So that made me thinking like, well, why would they do that? Why do they need to use this yeah. compound that's never been used in humans? And also in that patent, they talk about problems that they had with it. Suppressing the, audio, immune, or suppressing the immune system. They had other allergy issues with it. And at what point had it been, had it been used prior to uh, being used in, 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 I guess, in conjunction with uh, mRNA technology? At what point was this specific thing, the lipid nanoparticles, used uh in any other trials or anything like that that's a wonderful question i wish i knew uh that would be a better question for dr robert malone as he yeah probably you know at what point they probably. said okay well we can't just so, stick it okay in. so now one thing that he, robert malone did talk about though is he has talked about how they needed these to get these into the system so that it'll go into the the cells and he's also said how mm. originally mrna was designed to rapidly break down so that if you give a dose and let's say you have a bad reaction to it or there's a problem or you don't want to continue dosing, nor if you put in RNA that looks like normal human DNA, looks like messenger RNA, mRNA or messenger RNA, then it breaks down pretty quickly. And so to continue that, that medication usage, you'd have to do a second dose. Now, the difference with this is they use the nomenclature mRNA, but if you look at the subtext, it's M, and then you look at the little asterisk next to it and go down to the subtext where it says this represents modified mRNA. Meaning- I'm glad you're saying this because this is one of the biggest questions and biggest learning points I had listening to that podcast you sent me the other day. Understanding that they've tricked us just with that simple acronym alone, mRNA, they're not talking about messenger. That blew my mind. I didn't know that. That was wild. And since then, I've learned that it's not just it's not that it's just different, not that it's not, it's not just modified, but it, I listened to Robert Malone talk and it actually doesn't get broken down in your body in the same way. And they don't know how long it stays in you. 
and how long it stays in the cytosol and continues to to take over the you know the um, ribosome and and make protein that it's encoded for and we've also learned that it will go into the go into the nucleus where it shouldn't go and because it's in there it can change the dna Yeah, so, that is extremely disturbing. Yeah, I, I was watching a video from what's her name, Doctor Penny. You all familiar? Doctor Sherry Tin Penny. Yeah, she um, she's talking about this the other day, a really, really powerful, like a three or four minute clip that she did. But uh, that she's she's of the mindset that this will likely never leave your system, mm. and saying that. The more, the more you continue to put this vaccine in your body, the more times you get boosted, obviously, the more you're decreasing your autoimmune, your, your body's natural ability to fight off stuff. But she's, she is of the mindset that by the end of 2022, you know, all of these people who have been injecting this stuff, and she, she uses a pretty strong term. I don't know if she says all, but her, her metric of, of, of volume is pretty high, whatever it was saying that most of these people are going to have vaccine related autoimmune deficiency, which is AIDS. And that is, that is terrifying. We've been hearing about it. We've been seeing it. We've been seeing it play out with the, you know, in Australia where they, they removed the 50,000 vials of, of Moderna because people were getting false positives. Those aren't false positives. My dudes, those are, you have AIDS. Congratulations. Join, yeah. well, you know, I, join the society of 1980s. I, I like to that's what's mind blowing to me. It, pause you there for a second, because what's that? Uh, I want to pause you there for a second, just because. So the idea of having AIDS is that idea, auto acquired autoimmune deficiency. That that's a syndrome, and previously that the most common sure, cause sorry, of that yeah. syndrome was the HIV, you know, the the virus, and so you can have autoimmune deficiency and not actually have the HIV. Human, human, gotcha. you know, that's, deficiency that's, virus. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, and that, and that, and that's a, that's a rabbit hole in and of itself that that we could get into in an, another time right. um, on the so-called connection between HIV and AIDS and, and the real real right. cause of AIDS. But 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 but, but to, to your point, um, discussing the the rise in uh, well, it's actually interesting because we had an episode that just aired yesterday. Um, where I interviewed a nurse practitioner and two nurses in various hospital settings throughout the United States. And what they described seeing in terms of an uptick in uh, neurological issues, strokes, blood clots, uh, heart issues, um, chronic inflammation, and cancers uh, resurging in, in people is extremely disturbing. And it wasn't that they were already looking uh, for, for these markers because of the shot. It's that they noticed it a drastic difference after uh, a large number of people had received the shot. Actually so, using the scientific method. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And well, and that's, what's so scary is that uh, the nurse practitioner who was talking said that the most shocking thing to her was that this was extremely alarming as she's watching this happen. And all of her colleagues had, basically no intellectual curiosity whatsoever. And we're just like, Oh, whatever, like did not really care to find the root 
problem of the rise in all of these things just after. And, and she looked at the charts of each of these people, all three of these women did. And, and of course, they had received either one, two or three doses of this product. So Sam, is, is that the same thing that you experienced prior to the rollout, but like you see this, this product coming on to the market that the army is going to start using, right? And you were probably very alarmed. Did you approach any of your colleagues and other people in uh, army medicine to say, hey, there's, there's some regarding intellectual curiosity right. and lack of intellectual curiosity when you found this patent in the nanoparticles, the potential harms of it? Did you like, did, did you have any... Uh, discussions with your colleagues and, and other people in army medicine and did you raise the alarm to them and what was their responses so okay so when i first discovered some of these things um it was it was a touchy sub- subject because there was already so much um group think going on in the medical field and so i shared some of these thoughts with that one doc that i mentioned earlier uh internal medicine doc and she thought it was pretty shocking um the nurse that I had that was working with me, uh, she thought it was shocking too. And I started counseling patients on this. And short time later, I had a patient who used to like me, I guess, uh, put on Facebook in this, you know, and then everyone else piled on top. Dr. Sigloff used to be a great doctor, but then ever since COVID, he's lost his mind. Wow. Was it, so was this a, was this a, uh, uh, like a service member that was, that was a patient or was this like a, a wife. civilian or something? Yeah. Service okay. wife. So the position I was in, I was in a, uh, like a hospital clinic. And so I rarely would see service members. Anyone, any service members that I saw were mostly, uh, you know, employees of the hospital. So I saw mostly beneficiaries. That's, you know, wives, children, that kind of stuff. And yeah. And, and I think the difference is this, this patient who wrote that on Facebook, um, thought they knew my political stance and before and thought it was left-leaning and then thought that thought it was right-leaning afterwards because i said that we should be concerned with this and that we shouldn't just jump on it especially because the narrative was like being pushed in the media that only super far right-leaning QAnon supporting trump supporters were ones questioning the shot so when i when i'm at the due station i am now i actually had a nurse when i showed her this um the same doc you know, series of documents. Uh, she said, where did you get this? Is this some sort of QAnon research that you're doing? Oh my God. <laughs> wow. No, this God is the material me. safety data sheet that came from the company that manufactures this. That says that the mutation this is labeled Pfizer, dum dumb. Yeah. It says <laughs> wow. that the mutate, that the, the, the toxicology reports, many of the different listed of are all classified. Wow. You know, and, and their need to feel superior right. and to, uh, sp- you know, push back against this stuff, they are literally infantile in their responses and, and lacking in any kind of research, any kind of, you, you didn't even take the time to open the front page and look at what the freaking acknowledgement from the author said. You just immediately jumped on this cognitive lockdown in your brain and dismissed it outright. And that, to me, is is worse than any kind of QAnon or whatever garbage, you know, garbage agenda is out there or or thought process. That is the that is the absolute worst in all of this. And that's what they. That, that I been, say they. I'm yeah. talking about the people who push back against this and say that the vaccine is totally safe. They are the worst about pushing this stuff in this cognitive bias 
dimension. And that's one thing that, like, you know, those QAnon people, sure, they might be great people. They not, might not be. I have no opinion on that because I have no knowledge of that. There's people. And, and, exactly. And I don't want that ever to, to water down the subject of, of what I'm talking about, about trying to save humanity. Because what I've seen sound, looks bad. Now, we, we, we've had a conversation before about how, you know, we don't want to tell everybody, well, you're screwed. Sorry. Because we don't know. The, human, the thing is, is, I don't know. I'm not telling you you're going to die. I'm not telling you you're going to live. I mean, you could get hit by a meteor tomorrow and it wouldn't have mattered. The thing is, is why put something in you that appears to be quite dangerous? And why keep putting right. something in you that appears to be quite dangerous? That the toxicology reports are classified. And who has the authority to classify those after the FDA has approved it? We're so yeah. easily steered by this stuff. And, and you know, the, the anti-vaxxer narrative has become the new racist. You know, it, before I could call you a racist and you're immediately crying out, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I, I have black friends. I have, I have Mexican friends, but now it's, you're an anti-vaxxer. Well, no, no, no. I, I don't disagree with all vaccines. I stop, stop. Just they're steering you, man. They've got you by, a, they got you by a hook in the nose and they're pulling on you all around the place. Just stop for a minute and let's have a discussion, but we can't do that. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's so clever how, how they manipulate our minds to do that. Um, to on one side of the spectrum, immediately dismiss anything. If there's any indication of skepticism towards pharmaceutical products. And then what's, what's really sad to me is the number of people that I've interviewed that have been injured by the shot, right. Or have had a loved one that was killed from the shot. And I've had several of these interviews that we've done as it was part of our podcast series, voices of the victims. They're absolutely heartbreaking. Them, heartbreaking. Oh, they're heartbreaking. They're heartbreaking. And you ask them like, were you aware of VAERS and how is severely underreported Harvard Pilgrim healthcare? The only independent review of VAERS showed that less than 1% of adverse events reported. Were you, were you aware that Pfizer is not held liable because of the prep act? Were you aware of the 1986 national childhood vaccine injury act? Were you aware of the history of Pfizer's uh, in terms of their criminal history? Were you aware of any of these things? And the answer for the predominant majority is no, they weren't aware of any of these things. Of course, there's one more. Moderna has never brought anything to market ever until now. Wow. Didn't know that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think there's nothing on that line. There's nothing more devastating and I could never condemn a parent for thinking they're doing the right thing and they get their kid vaccinated and then they see their kid die. And this has happened. I mean, this, the, the amount of kids who have, you know, I'm not even going to say that statement because I don't have quantifiables on it, but a lot of kids, anecdotally and in the news and everything else have died from this. And the thing and is a lot of student not, athletes, not a single one of them needed to, because the risk of dying from COVID right. is so infinitesimally low that it's not worth any risk to ever even think about, well, let alone actually do it, but even that, think about giving this to kids. Right. And that in and of itself, right. I, I can't imagine the agony of being a parent and knowing that, like, how, how do you wrap your mind around the idea that you sealed the fate for your child? That is, and I wouldn't, that's something I can't comprehend. Yeah. I couldn't live with myself. And one thing that really just makes me so angry is these kids are dying. These adults are dying. These, you know, people are having their life completely changed forever. Families changed forever because they listened to someone that they were supposed to be able to believe. Someone who was supposed to be able to read, use their, their actual brain and look at things and go, hmm, maybe I right. should you give You don't think your government is 1944 Germany. Right. And yet... Holy cow. 
Well, and and, and that's that's the other thing is the the physicians though too, like specifically like specifically like family physicians. physicians and other people who are healthcare workers who are supposed to be the experts on a number of these topics who um, are not providing any informed consent whatsoever, not providing alternatives, not looking at the CDC data from the, an objective position. And I always share this. And it's that 95% of COVID-related deaths or deaths labeled with COVID had an average of four comorbidities. 78% of hospitalizations were in overweight or obese people. And the two largest risk factors for death, according to the CDC, are obesity and fear-slash-anxiety-related disorders. Mm-hmm. And like that screams the importance of lifestyle, nutrition, and mindfulness. And there's zero talk of that from anyone in the medical community whatsoever. When has Fauci ever said, eat meat? <laughs> never never i tell ever. people all the time because well, there's an article that came out in october of 19 published in january of 20 and it, it's the dietary roles of tarring creatinine creatinine 4-hydroproline can't remember exactly um but it says that as little as 30 grams of red meat a day can optimize the immune system to help you fight infections to including bacteria fungus viruses and then in parentheses including coronaviruses mm. wow you know, we going back a minute to what we were talking about with with, with Pfizer and and how they've controlled this. I, I look at how they how they control things now versus what the atmosphere was like in the late seventies, early eighties. You can go back and you see these these clips where Fauci himself is getting grilled by journalists, Jur- journalists who are actually doing their job, and they're coming out and they're they're gunning him and they're gunning other people in this this conversation. Obviously, it wasn't about coronavirus; it was related to AIDS. But they were talking about a lot of the things that he was doing, which were medically negligent at best. And they're doing their job as, as journalists. And I think at that point, that point, the pharmaceutical industry realized that hey, the, our biggest opponent right now is the media we need to get this unlocked or we'll never be able to do this again. So what do they do? They lobbied Congress like crazy and they own Congress. Now they inserted all their folks into the media and they, they spent billions and billions and billions of dollars over decades to shape and establish a, a platform for which they can do what they're doing now. And there is no resistance. Well, at least the resistance that is there us is infinitesimal in size to what is supporting them. Just, just, a qu- just a quick statistic on that. Then I want to get, get to, to Sam um, to talk more about like his path on, you know, from discovering that and then the, the exemptions that, that he was writing, which were, were legitimate and, and the whole, the whole uh, controversy surrounding that. But to, to your point, Danny, um, just for the people listening to this. So, and I memorized this in 2019, the, the second, the industry that came in second for uh, money spent on lobbying in government was the oil and gas industry. And that was $92 million, right? So that was second. Number one was the pharmaceutical industry at nearly three times that amount, $228 million spent lobbying. We always, I mean, we, we hear people really on both sides and, and uh, lo- mostly coming from the left talking about how corrupt oil and gas is. And I don't want to uh, say that that's not true. That's that's not the point of this. What I'm saying is that we talk about how corrupt oil and gas is and how much they're in bed with our government. They spent 92 million lobbying in 2019. The pharmaceutical industry spent three times, nearly three times that amount, 228 million dollars. And then we look at the media companies. This is an alarming stat. Every it used to be uh, ABC was the exception to this, but now ABC does have someone um, on their board. Um, 
every single mainstream news organization shares at least one board member with at least one pharmaceutical company. So to put that into context, these people are going to board meetings at Pfizer, Merck, GlaxoSmithKline, Sanofi, Johnson & Johnson, uh, Moderna. They're going to those board meetings, right? Sitting on the board of those companies. And then later in the day, later in the week, later in the month, they're going to board meetings at CNBC, CNN, CBS, Fox News, all these mainstream news organizations, and they're saying, hey, this is what I want to report on. This is what I want us to avoid reporting on. Clear conflicts of interest. And then when it comes to funding, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street are predominant shareholders in all of those pharmaceutical companies that I just listed. And they're also predominant shareholders in the companies, uh, in the mainstream news companies that I just listed. And last one is every single one of those mainstream news organizations not to discount news journals like Wall Street Journal, like the New York Times, like the Washington Post. They're receiving billions of dollars in funding from these same pharmaceutical companies and also from BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. And then lastly, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, one of many foundations who is directly involved with funding the mainstream news organizations, the CDC Foundation receives a crap ton of funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah. So, and, but you didn't want to own anything of all of those. You never wanted to own anything and be happy, right? <laughs> We're about well, what you're saying eight is, years away from that. Uh, to use one example, is CNN. There is no reason in the world. There is no way that a a free market would support the the ability for CNN to continue to be on the air if it wasn't for the fact that they have funding coming in from other areas because their viewership has plummeted so low, so just to the point that they're not even relevant in any way, yet we're still saying their name as if they're a relevant media organization. And it's because they're getting funding as if they haven't lost any viewership. And, and, and that to me- To further that point that you just made, uh, that, that one doctor went on uh, Joe Rogan's show to, to peddle his book because he, Joe Rogan has more viewers every day than CNN does. Sanjay Gupta, right? San, yeah, I think it's Sanjay Gupta. <laughs> he didn't realize what he was doing. That's Joe Rogan, man. You're not going to win that fight. What an idiot. But anyways, I, yes. Yeah, and, and I hope that Joe Rogan, he stays strong and continues to, to say the things that he says and isn't influenced, even though sometimes you have to say things out loud. But keep fighting the fight, man. Keep sticking it to him. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so Sam, I, w- I want to get back to, okay, so you're... So, so you came across this information, you were alarmed, you were shocked, and you were already in a state of questioning. So you, you began, um, I don't want to speak for you, but I guess, I guess what happened next in terms of you as a physician that, that, that is working in the army, what, what, what transpired next in terms of the rollout of the shot and then where, where your stance was? So a lot of my colleagues who work for different uh, hospitals, who are medical directors of different hospitals, um, they were making these, these propaganda videos of why I got the shot, you know, and, and I talked to my wife and said, Hey, I think I want to approach the public affairs officer at my hospital and say, Hey, I want to make a video of why I didn't get the shot, why I did not get the shot. Cause I think that's important for patients to, to not only know that it's okay to not get it, but understand there's legitimate reasons why not to get it. And then my wife, she is very, very wise. She said, don't do that because then you will be taken out of clinic and you'll never talk to a patient again. And now let's fast forward to a couple months, and I'm sitting there with that, that doc I discussed earlier and another doc, another internal medicine doc, and, and he said, you know, we were talking about society and, and how, you know, we're not Venezuela yet, 
And he said, no, but we are Venezuela. And the reason we are Venezuela is because you won't make that video of why you didn't get the shot. We are in Venezuela right wow. now. Yeah, good point. Wow, good point. You know, I won't, I won't mention this person's name. This is a, a colleague of yours, Sam, and you'll know who I'm talking about when I say this. But this person is a senior-ranking physician in the military, has been um, <clears throat> very, very vocal in this fight. And this person is basically bab- babysat at their, at their clinic when they work by another person of the same rank, which is higher than Sam's rank. Sam is a major, so use your imagination. But anyways, this person is babysat by another person of the same rank to ensure that they don't say something that is anti-COVID vaccine at any point. And they are from, like, it, that to me is mind-blowing. That you have you have dedicated a field grade officer to sitting there watching over a and ensuring that the wrong thing is not said. Yeah, field grade officer and a physician like that yeah. is absurd, absurd, absurd to me. And it's it's absurd even like on on a deeper aspect that so we have people like there's a large number of people, a large number of physicians who are experts in their respective fields, right? That have come to a conclusion that is different than the, than the so-called majority that is very much so propped up. Um, and, and I'll get to that. And they are not allowed to express their opinion, their medical opinion after sorting through the data for themselves, given all the context of their training, given the context of their schooling, they're not allowed to express their opinion at all if it is different than the majority. And then Within that, the majority is fully propped up because there are so many people. I mean, I bet you've experienced it too. I've had so many people contact me in our organization, even doctors that are within our organization that are too scared to say certain things, although they hold that opinion because they know that if they do, they'll be threatened, they'll be ostracized, they'll be mocked, they'll be shamed, they'll be drugged through the mud, even sometimes in the mainstream media. And in many cases, they will have their license uh, under investigation or their license pulled from them and not be able to practice medicine anymore, which then goes into their livelihood and their ability pro- to provide for their family. So this idea, which, which is a logical fallacy in and of itself of overwhelming majority of experts agree. The idea that that takes the place of evidence is ridiculous. Wait, regardless. There is an overwhelming majority of, of experts because any other experts are silent suppressed, having their license investigated currently under investigation exactly. with my license. There was that one, Oh yeah, I was gonna say there was that one doctor up in Maine who who had her license taken away by the state, and then she was ordered into psychiatric evaluation in order to get her her medical license back. That was the requirement for her to get the spec. And you know why? One reason she prescribed ivermectin to her patient. I kid you not, for COVID, for the specific reason of COVID, and had her license revoked and was ordered into psychi- psychiatric therapy for her license back. Also, let me let me add an anecdotal story to this. So I got, I got COVID a few months ago. Um, second time I've had it. And, uh, I was looking everywhere because at this time I had been talking to Dr. Fleet, Vleet, excuse me, with truth for health foundation and, um, learning a bunch of stuff, talking to other doctors out there about all this stuff. Okay. So I, I won't bore you with that. Anyways, the point is I was looking everywhere for name it, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine along with other stuff. But I, there's, these are not the two things you get that are the, the cure all end all be all of COVID treatment. Either way, 
My wife did a lot of research, found this doctor three hours away who owned a private practice. And with his private practice, uh, you could probably help me out with this, either one of you. With um, they, they make their own drugs on the spot. What do you call that? It's a Compounding. pharmacy that's... Uh, Compound pharmacy. Yeah, okay. So they had a compound pharmacy where they, they make this stuff on site. And he told me he's the only... He can get away with doing this because he is not bound to a a specific clinic under a hierarchy or anything else. But he was going off on the phone about how insane this was. And he doesn't know me from anybody. First of all, he asked me, he's like, how'd you hear about me? He was, he was speculative at first and, and asking questions, but now a speakeasy I will pharmacy. Add that he, he did say, you know, he was not against the vaccine. He was saying, okay, you've been vaccinated. Now let me explain the, blah, blah, blah. he was, he was in favor of the vaccines, but that's not the point of this. The point is he was saying, look, the science is clear hydroxychloroquine, it's blah, blah, blah. He went into all this stuff about the anti-inflammatory and, and this and that. And he, he prescribed, he told me, I think zinc and a bunch of other stuff, Advair, a whole bunch of other things he gave me. But his point was, he said, people are coming to me from all over the state looking for treatment on this stuff. And he said, it's insane to me. And my wife had to drive three hours there and three hours back to retrieve medicine that we could have easily gotten here in town. But unless it was for a parasite, they would not prescribe it because it's been banned. You are not allowed to. Guess what? 24 hours. My symptoms turned around within 24 hours as soon as I started taking the medication they gave me. We know this. We see this. But you are clinically insane, hence the, the physician up in Maine. You must go to psychiatric therapy to get your license back if you prescribe this stuff, which is scientifically proven to be effective in, in COVID treatment. And I have an anecdote along those same lines. I had this patient that was, he was ill with COVID. I talked to him on the phone and he was able to get about two or three words out before he had a gasp for air. And they keep talking about two or three more words and gasp for air. And this is shortly after Peter McCullough's article about hydroxychloroquine came out. And so I wrote him a hand script. His wife came by, picked it up. TRICARE doesn't pay for it, which is fine. He understood that. He understood he'd have to pay cash. Um, and so he went to this one pharmacy, and then I called him the next day to find out, hey, how you doing? He said, well, I couldn't get the medicine. Interesting. Okay, so let me call the pharmacy. Called the pharmacy. It was a different pharmacist on that day. And she said, well, what's, what's the hydroxychloroquine for? I said, that's none of your business. It's my patient. Right, none of your business. That's you as a physician prescribing it, right? Like, right. like it, it's not relevant to I'm a board-certified family physician would've... and had been in practice for eight and a half years at that point. And, and the pharmacist, you know, they've saved my bacon before and I'm very appreciative, but that's for dosing errors, giving too much, giving too mm -hmm. little, not telling me, well, that's an appropriate medication for that. And that was his, and this female uh, pharmacist, she, she started getting a little heated. And I said, what right do you have to with, withhold care to my patient? And then she got really angry. And I said, what evidence do you have? I have this article right here. What evidence do you have to show that I can't use it? And she slammed the phone down on, on me. Right. See, and, 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 that and that's what I'm contention. talking about is, is, the, is the inability of physicians to actually do their job and practice medicine. And like, like now they're governed by protocols that the hospital or someone higher than the hospital is setting and in your case, it's not necessarily the hospital. It's got to be a, a right. higher echelon to that, that, that they are setting. These are the parameters that you must follow. Then what's the point of even having a physician? Like right. what's the point of seeing well, and, a physician anymore? And there are certain medications. So I kind of understand her position, not being comfortable maybe to prescribe something because there are certain medications that I don't give. Like mm -hmm. estrogen only, I will not prescribe estrogen only birth control. Okay. But, but, but that's your job as a physician though, right? But, like, but what I do is I say, you to I can't give you that 
to the patient. I say, I can't give you that, but yeah. let me make sure you leave here today with an appointment with someone who can give it to you. Yeah. I don't get angry and walk out and slam the door. Yeah, and so, and so, and so within the context of, of practicing medicine, again, you, you started recommending against this shot, right? Like you started recommending no, against No, I, I didn't even for, recommend for, against uh, it. Oh, wow, okay. I said, so, so this how is the did truth. You approach yeah, so, so first it. I'd say, you know, I would tell pregnant women, I don't think any pregnant woman should ever get this because we don't know enough about it. And my example I'd give was, um, was it DES, was a medication they used to give pregnant women back in the 70s. And when those children inside of them were exposed to DES, they had a 40-fold increase of renal, renal adenocarcinoma, or kidney cancer, when they were in their 20s to 30s. So it took 20 to wow. 30 years to figure out that they had a 40-fold increase in renal cell adenocarcinoma. So the implications of that with what we're dealing with with this are extremely So no pregnant concerned. woman should ever get it. But then when I was in Alaska, yeah. one of the pediatricians who was pregnant got it. And and no pregnant no breastfeeding woman should get this because we don't know anything about it. We don't know how it transfers. We don't know if it does or doesn't transfer. And you've got Fauci on TV saying, "Oh, we'll get it and and then you'll be able to transfer uh antibodies to your child as you breastfeed." That's a bunch of horse uh manure. Sorry, um, I think about because the only antibodies the children the get. My doc. Sorry, let me, the sorry, only antibodies that the children get are in the first three days when it's colostrum. After that, the milk doesn't have the antibodies in it. I think we have a slight delay. I apologize, Sam. No, I, sorry. <laughs> I I just want to say I have an infant daughter, and I think she might not be here. When I say infant, very very young, and at the time. We asked the doctor, we were in the parking lot, actually, asked the doctor, do you recommend the, the vaccine for my wife? At this time, I had not started doing all the stuff I'm doing now. But she looked at us and said, she put her head down. I remember her exact expression, because I've talked to my wife about this several times. She put her head down, and you could tell she was deliberating. And she looked and she said, listen, I can't recommend that you get it or don't get it. What I can say to you is that we don't know enough at the moment. and." I think you need to do your own research and make as best a decision as you can for your family. And that was her way of saying, don't get the shot. That, that's what it said to me. And so when I started looking into it, digging into it more, I think about the amount of abortions, ab- not abortions, excuse me, um, Spon- spontaneous, spontaneous abortions, abortions, otherwise abortions, known miscarriages. as miscarriages, yeah. miscarriages yeah, that, that have as, as skyrocketed because of this vaccine. 81%, said, 82%, 87% in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, and well, that's what I want to definitely want to get into next. Like as we like transition this phase, because I, I know that you you were prescribed or you were not prescribing. That's not the correct term. You were um, uh, giving medical exemptions when you deemed that they were necessary. Correct or correct me if I'm wrong on no, that. No, that's absolutely correct. And I only gave them someone- to service members uh, because service members were the only ones who were required to get them. You know, required if mm-hmm. that's air quotes. Yeah. Um, because they can't mandate some, it's an it's an illegal order to mandate something that's not FDA approved, and there is no FDA approved product available anywhere. It's never been made. Yep. Yeah, and we 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 discussed that part extensively in our last episode. The difference between community and Pfizer BioNTech. So if you're listening to or watching this and you're not familiar with that, because it, it it also applies to the the civilian world. It's like that episode is important to listen to for service members for sure, as is this one. 
but it's also important to listen to period because there are a lot of jobs that are mandating it and saying, Oh, there's a federally approved Pfizer vaccine. You need to go get it. There is no federally approved Pfizer vaccine available to actually receive. It is Pfizer BioNTech that is available and that is still under EUA and this clever bait and switch. I, I just talked about this recently um, on, on a Twitter thread that I made uh, this, this was done so that they are still able to remain indemnified from liability because as soon as they start offering the community product and it's not yet on the childhood schedule, which is the only way that it could be covered under the national childhood vaccine injury act, which would indemnify them from liability in another way. That is the only way that it, that they will offer the community product is if it is on the childhood schedule and it's not on the childhood schedule yet, which is why they're really trying to push for that. And because it's not, if they were to offer the community product, which is FDA approved, then they would not be indemnified from liability and people could start suing them uh, for, for injury or death. So the reason that they've pulled this clever bait and switch approving the community product, but not offering it and then saying, Oh, it's nearly identical to, if not the same as the Pfizer BioNTech is because Pfizer BioNTech is still under eway. So then they're able to push that, but say, Oh, there is another product we have that's identical. And it, and, and Sam, you actually brought up a good point on a phone call I had with you of how they use, I actually it might've been you, Danny on how they use interchangeable versus can be used interchangeably yeah, right and talked about it yeah and and what's you, interesting you is th- this sounds like we're splitting hairs like legal hairs here but if you re like i don't know if, if any of the listeners here have access to the um to the the order that the secretary of defense put out um I can I can share it. I can share okay. it. I will give you an article. Actually, I have covered all of this extensively. Right. I will send you a link. You can hang it up. It's yeah. got everything in black and white right in front of you. And, and there, cool. it sounds like we're splitting hairs. And you know, I'm just a simple family medicine doc. And I'm like, well, you know, that seems okay. Well, yeah, but but if you read what they write and the way they write it, the order is for soldiers. You must. It is a lawful order. Which first of all, when someone says, "Trust me," don't trust them, <laughs> right? Right. When someone says this is a legal order, everything after that is questionable. They say this is a legal order, and then they say it is a legal order to to mandate that soldiers take a fully FDA approved, which is a true statement. And then they say you may volunteer to take these not FDA approved. And now they're punishing you for not taking the unapproved ones, even though you're not required to, you're, you can volunteer. Well, I'm not going to volunteer to do something that I don't want to do anyways, because even if they had it, I wouldn't do it. I would willfully disobey a lawful order at that point. But right now I'm disobeying an unlawful order, which is actually my duty. Right. Correct. So one of the things that they've done, and we have, Alec, we have so many uh, hidden recording audio clips of this, of doctors blatantly. When I say doctors, I'm talking same thing, just like Sam is here now, a field-grade licensed physician in the military. These are majors, lieutenant colonels, and even in one case, a full-bird colonel who decided to chime in on the conversation. I'm not sure why he was at the clinic, but he was. And they, they are telling soldiers flat-out lies to their face about, oh, no, 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 they're the same thing. They're interchangeable. And that's and they, they speak really fast and really fancy like they're going to trump these troops. And here's the funny thing. A lot of these soldiers go in there prepared for this game, and they throw it right back at them like, oh, oh, big physician with his big brain is going to talk down to little old sergeant so-and-so. No, you're not, because he knows. He's prepared for this conversation. And some of these audio recordings are, well, they would be hilarious if they weren't so sad and and scary to see what's going on within the community. But yeah, um, 
the shell game has taken place. Let me, let me, you, you had said this a second ago, interchangeable. What does that mean? Really quick. We have discussed this. They said in the, the Pfizer document or the FDA said about the Pfizer vaccine, the FDA said that they can be used interchangeably. Listen to me. We are not splitting hairs here. There's a difference. Interchangeably is not a legal term. They said they could be used interchangeably because they were contending that they were the same compound, which they're not. And that's a whole different discussion, but we're not going to talk about that right now. They said they can be used interchangeably. That is not the same thing as saying that they are interchangeable. Think about the logic here really quick. And this is codified in law, but you cannot have an EUA drug that is interchangeable with an FDA approved drug. Does that make sense to you? Wouldn't it just be FDA approved at that point? It wouldn't be an EUA anymore. They cannot be interchangeable. Besides the fact that we've gone into all the the legalities of biosimilars, being a biosimilar with another drug, and you have to have you have to meet certain qualifications to be interchangeable. I don't want to get into all that because that that just gets lost in the weeds of saying that they never said that they were interchangeable. They said that they can be used interchangeably. And because of that, an official, I believe it was an 06, within the DHA, the Department of uh, Defense Health Agency, excuse me, came out and, and said that they, they're, they're interchangeable. Well, no, 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 no. They're not interchangeable. But the DOD predicated their entire order off of that statement. And I'm like, wait, so we have an 06 that's running the policy for... The entire DOD now, is that how it works? I, isn't there like a surgeon general at the three-star level that can make a statement a little more qualifying or nope, that's not how they did it. But this entire thing is a shell game and a ruse. And we've even found out at one duty station now, and I'll, and I'll, I'll stop after this, one duty station they found out they were printing out and falsifying community labels and sticking them on BioNTech vials. Why do that? If they are interchangeable, you wouldn't. That is fraud in every sense of the word. Yeah. And one more other um, word game that they've been playing this entire time that I think is really important. If if your listeners haven't heard this before, we hear safe and effective, face safe and effective, and they're using this word effective. And effective doesn't mean what what I think it should mean. And the way I say that is the reason I say it that way is they should be using the word efficacious. Efficacious is a different word. It means a different thing. In medicine, effective can mean a couple of different things, but one of the things that it can mean is it's how easy it is to deliver to the patient. And if it's in, an, if it's in a needle, in a syringe, it's really effective to deliver it. It's easy to deliver it to the patient. It doesn't cause any pain for the person who's delivering it. It's really easy. You just line them up, shoot them up, send them, send them packing. It has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with how it prevents infection. Now, the word efficacious does. And when you have something like a negative efficacious rate, that means that you have a higher risk of getting infected after you've had the shot. It means you would have been better off if you never had the shot than if you had the third one, fourth, fifth, whenever this stops. Yeah. And that, and that, and that is such a, that's, that's what they do. They do these clever bait and switch and, and switches and use of clever language for the person who's not attuned to what's going on, they will be tricked by this. And I've actually had, unfortunately, several friends who are still in the army that were skeptical of these products. And then when the 
quote, Pfizer product was approved, they signed up to get it because they thought, oh, well, there's nothing I can do now. There's an FDA approved shot. And it's really sad because how many other soldiers have had that happen to them? How many people in the civilian world have had that happen to them? I I would argue millions of people have had that happen to them. And it's really disturbing. So, so with you, you were um, providing medical exemptions as a physician, right? providing medical exemption exemptions, which, which is in your right to do. If you deem that it is medically, uh, uh, th- th- there's a medical situation that arises where someone should not receive this product. And you were doing that as a physician. And then what happened? Okay. So, um, my medical exemption was based on the fact of these lipid nanoparticles not being safe for human use. And, and which it literally said, which it says that, to reiterate, it literally said that. Yeah. Yeah. It says do not, not not validated for medical use, not for human use, not for use in veterinary medicine. So you can't even use it on animals. And, and part of the warnings on there would say that uh, the manufacturer said on the material safe, safety data sheet that all safety relies on the end user. And what that means is if I buy this from this company and I hurt myself with their product, it's my fault. Not their fault, because that's how dangerous this could be. And so. Obviously, after reading all these different things about it, if a patient doesn't want to get it, I'm going to, I'm beholden to the patient. I'm not beholden to the army. You know, technically the army is my employer, but it's kind of a different place. It's almost like a lawyer, right? A lawyer is beholden to their client. A doctor is beholden to the patient. And so legally, medically, and ethically, I have to do all the right things for the patient that are, that are still fall within those guidelines. And helping them find a way, a legitimate way to not have to have this thing not be coerced to take this this jab that they shouldn't be getting anyways. Well, here it is. Here's a medical exemption that follows the law. It the law stated that the family physician or the healthcare clinician, healthcare provider would be able to determine if a temporary medical exemption was needed or not and would approve it. And so I did that. And I was suspended because I allegedly wasn't following the Secretary of Defense guidance. Well, guidance isn't law. It's not policy. And that was on September 13th. And then on September 14th, the day after I was suspended, is when the Secretary of Defense policy came out. And it mirrored, it was the same policy that was already lawfully in the books, which I followed. And so what did they try to say that you were doing wrong? Like what, what was the specific guidance that you were not following? I got an email from uh hire and, and a lot of the details of this, I have to be a little hazy and I apologize. But if you go into the children's health defense article that they wrote about me, they took that entire thing from my declaration provided to the court. So please go read it. Also, we'll share that in the show notes. So for, for yeah. that specific question, we'll, we'll share the children's health. But, but let me go into the, the areas the that I can. So my boss sent me okay. an email saying, we don't know how to, this is bef- before I was suspended. This is like in August. We don't know how we're going to go forward with these medical exemptions. It may need general officer approval, which doesn't follow the law that's already previously stated. So it's like, okay, well, uh, but more to follow. And they later claimed that that was them telling me, do not write them. Did you hear me say, do not write them? Because I didn't hear that. What I heard was, if you write them, you may have to rewrite them. I'm okay with rewriting stuff. Because I'm about giving people Mm -hmm. hope and not making them be coursed. And I want to make it very clear here. And Danny and I have had this conversation before, and and I think we're pretty copacetic on this. 
a lot of people say forced. I don't think they understand what that word actually means. But there's been lots of coercion. Forced is when they grab you and they pin you down and they hold you and they inject something into your body against your will. And we haven't seen that yet in the United States, and I hope we never do. But we have not been forced. We have been coerced, which is terrible and it's awful and it's it's horrible for someone to threaten your livelihood and threaten to take away the way you feed your family. But that's different than holding you down. Yeah. You hold me down. And I don't know if this is appropriate for your podcast, Alex. But <laughs> the Second Amendment still applies. If you hold me down, you know, my kid, all the ammo I have saved up is going bang, 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 right out the front door. So, yeah. And, and this, this gets into, uh, I'm saying that. Um, <laughs> this, this gets into a more spiritual, philosophical discussion that, that we don't want to get into, but I'll, I'll briefly say <laughs> many of the things that they are doing actually require our consent. If we just stopped playing their stupid monopoly game, it would be over. Bro, look and that's at why airlines. like, I, yeah. And it will, and that's the thing. And that's what, what people don't understand with the airlines is you are contracting with them. When you purchase a flight, you are agreeing, you are checking a box, essentially giving your signature that you agree to follow all of their guidelines. In any other situation, you are not under contract with that entity, with that organization, with that individual specifically to receive this product. Like what we have, um, and I, I've seen massive success with this, is is people um, holding their, not their employer, but the man or woman, the actual name of the man or woman that is giving them the order to do X, Y, or Z, asking where in their contract uh, of employment it required that they do that and saying, okay, if I get this product, then you as the man or woman will agree to be liable for any injury associated with it because the manufacturers aren't. And then what we've seen happen, not in all cases, but in many is that that man or woman who is giving that order backs down and is like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to be held liable for this. I'm not going to be held responsible. So the point is though, just like you're saying here is there's a huge difference between force and coerce. They're coercing people heavily in the United States. Absolutely. So but much that they may take my medical it license. It still requires our consent. Yeah. But I'd rather well, lose my money. When me- I say airlines, yeah. I, I was just saying, when I say airlines, I don't mean like what we're contracting with. I'm talking about the pilots. The pilots yeah. said, we're not going to do this. And guess yeah. what? Oh, wow. There's a lot of pilots saying we're not going to do this. Well, we need to back off because we need pilots. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's no go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. And, and, and yeah. It, what were you going to say, Sam? So back when I used to counsel patients on this, um, you know, I said, you know, you can get it if you want to get it, not if you don't. And I would tell them I'm so strong in my feelings of not getting it just so they would feel comfortable not getting it because every other doctor I know in the world says get it. Is I tell them, let's put ourselves in this fictional world, let's say England, where you're employed by the government to be a doctor and there's no other way you can be a doctor unless you're employed by the government. And let's say you have to have this shot to be employed. I'd rather bust tables. Hmm. And I have a family of four that I'm supporting. I'd rather bust tables. Uh, yeah, for sure. Me too. I just linked one right there, by the way. Alex, you can share that out if you want or not. Anyways, yeah. that's a great example of coercion as well. Um, that actually just came to me. This was a, a policy letter written by the Department of Defense uh, by the SecDef. This is signed by the SecDef himself on November 30th, 2021. But basically what he said in this is that 
in order to participate in drills, training, and other duty conducted under 32 U.S. Code, you will be fully vaccinated. And then he says, no Department of Defense funding may be allocated for payment of duties performed under blah, blah, blah. And then no credit or excused absence shall be afforded to members who do not participate in drills. So basically what he said is, I can't make you get the vaccination, but you will not drill. And if you don't drill, you will be AWOL. Because that's what he's saying here. No credit or excused absence shall be afforded. So you can't show up, but you're AWOL if you don't show up. And therefore, what can we do at that point? Well, you're AWOL. We got you. So now we can go after you with punitive, punitive, whatever, and hit you hard. It's not for a vaccine at this point. It's for you being AWOL. Right. And that's how they're getting around that NDA or any of these bills they're passing in Congress is those bills specifically say only for COVID. Well, when you don't do the COVID thing, you're technically, you're disobeying what they consider a lawful order. So that's not really about COVID. And and just what you said. And in my situation, I've had GOMARS now. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's fun. Oh man! Um, okay. But and 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 this is the really funny part is they they gave explain, me explain what a gomar is for oh, the people listening yeah. who are military so, though. General memorandum of rec, uh, general uh, general order. Help me out here, Danny. Officer. Yeah, general, general officer, officer memorandum recommend. I know it well. Yeah, oh, I've yeah. never had one before. So. But but they gave me this opportunity. <laughs> I never had one either. But <laughs> um, they gave me this opportunity to to make sure it wasn't in my permanent record. Bum bum bum. You know, in your permanent record. Uh, my permanent records in 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 the sky with beg for your life major with our, with our Lord. And so they can put it in my permanent record all day. I don't care. Mm. Yeah. So now I want to use this last 30 minutes or so to get into the D med data. If, if that's cool, oh, if you're cool to, uh, to go to that yes. direction. I, I, I actually don't have it up in front of me, but yeah. I'm all about it. Actually, this is your lane, Sam. I can't. Yeah. I can't jump in this. All I can do is talk about the nasty side of the army. If you want talk to talk about Sam, the medical side, yeah. if, and, if you're comfortable getting into that. And so, so what I don't want to do, and I think we talked about this before, is I don't want to get in yep. specific like pinpoint numbers. Yep. And someone, oh, that guy's an idiot. He said, you know, 342 yep. when it was supposed to be 400. Oh, I can pull up the thing if you give me a second. You guys yeah. talk for a second. I'll find but, the. But the point the of this entire now. DMED data is that the major point is. And we'll get into the glitch point of that in just a minute. But the idea is there's an entire system that's set up to to be the eyes forward in the medical medical military medical system to see what is what is endangering our troops because this this mm-hmm. information is only military troops service members and the information is gleaned from the from the electronic medical record that we use. So, you know, people say, oh, VAERS isn't, act- isn't, isn't accurate. Well, yeah, you're right. It's not. It only reports about 1%, which means the numbers are significantly worse than what we think. But you can't use that argument with DMED. You can't use that. Because, okay, I've got the DMED is, is it because it's a more active surveillance system? Like right. It, it, it's it's designed it. to look for what's on the horizon. And so I, was, I got a phone call from another doctor, a friend of mine, and this was after Christmas, and this is the really important part, is that I put in an unqualified uh, request for resignation. UQR? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I tried to get out a little bit early, and they denied my request for resignation. And because they denied- No way. I didn't know this piece. They, they denied your UQR. So for the people- I didn't know this either. For the people listening, watching, so- And this is when they shot themselves what, in the foot. Like, so so I, I had to serve a minimum of five um, as an officer after graduating from West Point, and what- 
the majority, I would say the majority of West Pointers end up doing after five years is put in a UQR, which is you getting essentially getting out of the army after your five year, uh, required active time. So I don't know exactly what the requirements were. For so you I did RTC, then HBSP. Officer. So, uh, my complete ad, so our active, active duty service obligation will be done in June of 23, but just before Christmas, okay. I put into my, um, higher off, whatever. Um, Hey, you know, here's my, I want to, I'll offer you my resignation. And they, yeah. they didn't want to take me up on that. Well, deal. especially because they had already suspended you, right? So you're yeah. not even able to do your They're paying job me for a do- to be a doctor. Be the- and I'm not doing yeah. being a doctor. Yeah. And yeah, so, so like, let's just, let's just call it quits. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's just, no harm, no foul, yeah. re- restore everything. Let me go. And because I was able to stay in, and this is a God thing, because I was able to stay in, I was around to be available for this phone call from this doctor that said, hey, I'm looking in, into DMED. What's DMED? I never heard of it. Oh, it's this thing, you know, this person was a medical, um, public health person. And, and they, they said, are they, are they just, just real quick? Are they an officer too? Or yeah. You, they... you know, Danny certainly. Knows. Okay. Yeah. Got and, it, got and it. so, okay. and so, um, I get the phone call. I'm like, and, and this person was just shocked. I mean, like I, I could hear how like faint because this person was, um, just shocked at the, the numbers that they saw. And so the numbers, yeah. You know, previous years they, let's say, pulmonary embolism. Let's say it'd be somewhere in the 600, less than less than 700, a little more than 600 for five years, and then in less than one entire complete year, it went up to like 1,000 something, 1,300. Wow. Which is like, wow. Everybody's getting pulmonary embolisms. Yeah. Yeah. So I have all the numbers in front of me. You can feel free to shoot them off if you want, if you need any specific data, but. What I want to talk about is PolitiFact and their... Yes, and so the next part... pulling up the wrong thing. Which is great, too. Thank you for bringing that up. And so so you have this system that you've paid some company millions of dollars to do this job. And and now, you know, a couple days, a week or two after um, these DMED whistleblowers come out and say that something is horribly wrong. Okay. And then David Horowitz writes an article. And then all of a sudden, uh, PolitiFact has an email interview with someone from the Pentagon. No official statement. There was no banner put on the DMED database. They just took the system down and then put it back up, and everything's different. All the numbers were lower, right? Uh, so, no, so they weren't lower. What happened, I, the, I, the, the pulmonary embolism, oh. they were higher for all those years, which means doctors would have been going, what in the world is going on here? We need to start giving soldiers no, an aspirin meant, before they fly on like, planes. Yeah. What what I meant is that they 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 changed the numbers thereafter yeah, the, when bring it back up to ref, to basically make it look like oh there was no issue in the system right. no change although yeah and here's the thing although there was glaring issues if you look at the numbers and you see the the amount of you just have to see the new numbers and you'd be like wait do we have like the most diseased crippled uh, ineffective military force in the world. I thought we had the best, and yet these numbers are off the chart for every year within this. So it begs the question, how far back do these numbers go? Well, and, and the interesting and what thing was is, the excuse? What was the primary oh, excuse, Sam, like for they, why the numbers were the way that they in were? In that political um, thing, they said I've that got they— got pulled up. Yeah, they, they said that there was a, um, an email interview with someone from the Pentagon, and I believe—and you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, Danny, but the email interview said that there was a glitch, and for five years they've been— They've been looking at everything wrong. And so, so it begs the question, were you wrong then and lied then for five years? Or are you wrong now and you're lying now? Because if you're paying no, no. someone like 20, 
plus millions of dollars to to do this and they derelict their job and we haven't been seeing this incredible disease process that's been going through for five years well they should probably be fired or there's a there's a conspiracy to to commit treason because that's what this is when you it was just the numbers related to the vaccine right tell them about the numbers that weren't related to the vaccine like typhoid fever didn't change or lyme disease didn't change they stayed the same, right? Right. Even Danny, you brought cases. this up on the last episode that some of those had gone down. It yeah. was only things that were related with the trend, um, although the, the undiscussed and undisclosed trend. The va- same VARES trend, though. Yes, the same VARES trend on, on, on specifically the COVID vaccine injury. Those were the only things that were spiking in the DMED data, whereas just like you're saying, Things like Lyme disease and other things that are unrelated that we didn't think would be related the side effects. Yeah, and and what's those what's things really, remain constant. The really, right. really, really important part here is either way, if they were wrong for all those years and there was a glitch, then they need to be held accountable. If if what I think happened happened, then there's conspiracy, right? Because conspiracy means two or more people working together to do something. So conspiracy to commit treason. Because if you're blinding the medical eye of the military troops, and now you can't see what the threats are, then the example I've used before is if you're a scout, let's say you're a fister and you're up on the ridge and you're looking down, you're staying low so they can't see your, your silhouette, and you're looking down on this, this area, and you see an ent- you know, a thousand troops of the enemy there, and you tell your platoon, yeah, it's safe. Go on down there. It's safe. You'll be fine. What would you call that guy? Oh, my God. That's exactly what's happening. You would call him a traitor. You would say that he committed treason. You would say that he like yeah. sent his troops to die. Like, yeah, I mean. And so who's responsible for this conspiracy we to about, commit treason? Yeah. We were talking about HIV earlier. You want to gander at what those numbers look like? Uh, let me let me just run through the list. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I know Sam, you don't want to touch on s- specific numbers. Uh, well, I can do it however I want. Yeah, I didn't throw out the disclaimer. <laughs> I don't speak on behalf of the U.S. government party. I don't care. Yeah. Come on, come bring on, it. bring yeah. it on. Yeah, throw it. Yes. Throw us those numbers, man. So, so what they were in the like? Do you have specifics yes. on? Okay. I have all the numbers. Cool. So let's start at 2016. 599, 455, 412, 415, 392. That was in 2020. That was a okay. So run. that was for what? That was for that was for HIV. Got it. That was that was actually a trend that showed it going down. Remember, yep. it started at five ninety nine. Well, twenty twenty probably went down because everyone's down. isolated and they're not doing the things that you got to do to. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, so twenty twenty was three ninety two. Twenty twenty one was two thousand four hundred sixty. So which was a five hundred and forty one. Point fourteen percent increase. Add up all those five years. Is is that more that one year more than the five years before? It was literally more in one year than all five years combined. Wow. And that that trend <laughs> wow. is with most of these processes that we thought would increase. Now now there's people that are very smart with math and uh, you know, I'm not gonna claim to be any sort of math wizard because I am not. But they say that the previous the the numbers that the DMED whistleblowers pulled they didn't look right either, and they may not have been right. There may be some some issues with how it was reported because there may be a huge problem. There may actually be a glitch and a problem. But the the pro, the, the main thing is there's this change that and and when they published the new set of data that they they handed Lieutenant Colonel Long in the courtroom this paper that was just printed no letterhead no nothing they said well this is our correction and if you look at those numbers 
they show like a 3% increase in testicular cancer. And that right there is enough to go, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. So here's, here's an interesting point. And I can't prove this with paperwork at the moment, but I have talked to one of our wonderful friends in the medical community um, that we've referenced a few times. Anyways, this, this stuff lines up. So I didn't know this apparently, and you probably know this, Sam, but bears has a active duty component in it that you can select. Apparently that's a thing you can select uh, as, as the person is active duty and, and it goes into special reporting as a caveat that says this person's on active duty and it's reported in bears and all this stuff. It just so happens that VARES data lines up pretty linearly with the DMED data. So these, st- this stuff was in correlation, at least two different databases were correlating with each other based on the overall numbers for active duty personnel. I don't know how much more you need to see. Everything points this way, and yet they're going to grab your head, turn it, and say, no, 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 this way, this way, this way. Don't look at that, this way. Do you, do you have lying. specifics on some of the other numbers like uh, myocarditis? Okay, yeah. let's, let's go through those too. I mean, like, I, I, want, I want people to understand okay. what we're talking about here, just real quick, is data captured by the Department of Defense and their DMED system on a number of these things over a five-year period at the least and what the numbers showed and then a drastic spike in 2021 in a number of categories that specifically line up with the rollout of this product and things uh, that many dissident uh, healthcare workers and experts were sounding the alarm on, even what we covered in that episode of, of heart-related issues, strokes, blood clots, and all these things, things that specifically lined up with the effects, the harmful effects of this specific product that was given yep. to millions of service members. Let's just start off with the generic, I guess. Let's say chest pain, unspecified, a 1,529% increase. Okay, so they went from our last year we had reported was, oh, and I do add, I want to add one more thing. The DMED data was only a 10-month gather. It was only gathered over a 10-month wow. period. So it wasn't even a full 12 months for the year of 2021. November and December out, hadn't collected December, yet. December, November? Yeah. Yes. Got it. Okay. So we went from 5,851 incidents of chest pain to 74,813. Wow. Yeah. All right. So let me look for some... Dys, dyspnea. You're going to have to help me out. Dyspnea. On one, You're close. You, you said it right the first time I ever heard you Dys, say it. Dyspnea. I, dyspnea. See, I did that last time too. Yeah. I said, the, the P is silent. Don't pronounce yeah. it. Yeah, in, I'm a dumb dumb. And I don't contend to like be anything. Pneumonia. But. Yeah. So <laughs> we, had, we had a 905% increase in dyspnea. Uh, acute myocarditis was 206. No, I'm sorry. Not myocarditis. Acute MI, which is Myocardial infarction, Myocardial heart attack, colloquially known as heart attack. No, heart attack. Okay. I'm learning things, getting smart here, uh, getting getting learned. Um, 269% increase, and that was a number that rose from 64 and... And you would expect no, these are all myocardial infarction Anyways, to be yeah, incredibly low. Go, go ahead, Sam. What? You'd be, you would expect myocardial infarction to be incredibly low because these are active duty service members only. Yeah. Yeah. Supposed yep. to be in good shape. Acute pericarditis, pericarditis, 175% increase. 
Acute myocarditis, 285% increase. Pulmonary embolism, ooh, that's a good one, 467% increase. Cerebral infarction, 393% increase. Cerebral infarction Bell's is palsy. a stroke. So, okay, yeah. so cerebral infarction is a stroke. Okay. Bell's palsy, 319% increase. Bell's palsy was half your face goes flaccid. Yep. Looks like a stroke. It may not be. It's not a stroke, but it may look like a stroke. What is DIC? DIC? Disseminated intravascular coagulation, which is interesting because what I have on my screen over here, can I share it real quick? Yeah, your screen. Uh, Give me a second. So if you, let me pull this forward. Okay, so you see here, it says lipid nanoparticles may induce innate immune response. There may be a dose-limiting toxicity, such as acute phase response and complement-activated pseudoallergy. In some, this is quoting straight from a uh, patent. In some embodiments, the LNP-related toxicities comprises coagulopathy, disseminated intravascular coagulation, vascular thrombosis. Blah blah blah. Keeps going. Okay, so I want to I want to find the other years, but that number went up by one thousand one hundred and seventy five percent. Wow, wow, I mean, that one was a big one. That was yeah, and we expected that one to Guillain go up Bar by syndrome these. Guillain Guillain Barre syndrome is right. like a paralysis. Yeah, it's a progressive paralysis, paralysis from the ground up. It's autoimmune, so your antibodies attack your nerve cells and get rid of the myelin sheath or the the, the insulation on the cable. And I've seen it before, and mm. and you can actually die from it very easily, because you've you know you first you can't move your toes, then you can't move your legs, and then you can't breathe. Yeah, two hundred and fifty percent increase in the mil- in, in the military amongst active duty. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We saw immunodeficiencies, which is at the heart of everything we're talking about. Two hundred and seventy-five percent increase. Um. Uh, menstrual irregularity. We talked about that. A lot of women came out right off the bat talking about how their, their periods were all over the place or they weren't coming in at all or all sorts of reproductive issues and 476% increase menstrual irregularity. I mean, and, and you talk to, look, I'm married to a woman, happen to know something or something about a woman just from what they tell me. And periods for most women are fairly on point regular, like there's something off if they're not landing on, on time. I know not every woman that applies to, but that's, that's a huge number for, for that, for something like that. It's, it's the canary in the coal mine. It's, and that's what's so, so good about this is, is the, the woman's cycle is, is so, so delicate that a change in exercise, a change in stress, a change in eating habits can change that. And so now that we're seeing all these changes, well, then there's something that's going inside of inside of the body that's different and it could be a hormonal issue it could be a clotting bleeding disorder as we just saw it could be all these things but it's, it's kind of like a canary and and you know when that canary died the guys do hey let's get out of here so when when cycles start changing and we hear reports of this all over and we hear of like residual clots from the uterus that means the entire uterus clotted and and they passed is that like, also known as a decidual cast cast right yeah. and so it's it's a cast or or like sorry um, a cast is, you know, when you make a cast mold. And so it looks like the inside of the uterus, but it's a giant clot. And we've never seen those before, or at least never in any wide scale ever. And now we're seeing them pretty often. It's like something should make everyone go, let's take a knee. Let's stop doing what we've changed for the past year. 
Yeah, and, and, and that brings me back to the, the point that I made, and I'll, and I'll do this as a last question because I know we've been going for quite some time. Um, and, Danny, if you have anything to send or, or anything related to that DMED data so we could also post that for, for people to look at. I, I want to be clear real quick, too. Oh, yeah, All yeah, three okay. of us know someone, I'm going I'm to say this very loosely, that, that works let's just say in, in public health for the department of defense. I want to be very, very generic with this. And um, they know for certain that the, that what happened with the DMED data was, was not a glitch whatsoever. They, they were actively looking at, at the DMED data and saw that it was altered thereafter. And it had nothing whatsoever to do with the glitch that these signals that are alarming that, that Danny was discussing here are real and that they were happening um, because of something that is new that is presented to the environment that a lot of people are receiving. And so that goes back to, I guess, my last point as a, as a physician specific, especially one that's in the army and that is, is looking out for the force um, in your, in your professional opinion, are, are you frustrated at the lack of intellectual curiosity surrounding these alarming figures that you especially someone who has already brought up concerns with the ingredients that are in this product. Is, is that frustrating for you? And, and what is your message to anyone listening to this that is, either knows service members or is a service member themselves? What, what is your message to, to them? It's keep holding the line because they're going to, they're going to try and coerce you. You know, many are going to say force, but we already talked about it. It's, it's coercion. Um, and if they hold you down and do that, then, you know, use whatever equal opposite force you need to. Um, but it's coercion. And so don't ever do anything you don't want to do. Don't give in. Never surrender. Ne- never give up. If, you, if you're not plugged in with a group of people that are of like mind, then do that. Because it's easy to be picked off if you're alone. You know, it, I've never been in combat, but many of y'all have. I think maybe both of y'all have. And you never want to be alone anywhere. I have not, just for the record. You still never want to be alone anywhere when you're in a foreign land and you're the enemy. And same thing here. We are in a foreign land and we are the enemy. Now, who's... who's yeah, and I said this on a... Go ahead. No, keep going. And I, I'm not saying who the enemy is because I'm not ready to say that because I don't know who the enemy is. But when we keep pushing something that's destructive to our force and there's all these red flags and all these, these things and everyone's screaming, we need to stop, we need to stop, we need to stop, and that hemorrhaging keeps continuing, who's ever pushing that hemorrhage may be the one who's, who's, maybe the, one who's the enemy. Yeah, and I said this in a previous podcast, Alec. A lot of what Sam just said, I, I echo and I said, listen, what do we do? What, what do we do with tactics and strategy in the military? We divide and conquer our enemy. We never strike the enemy at their strongest point. We look for their weakest point and exploit it. A divided force, an isolated force is weaker. We mass on that and we attack. That is what they're doing here. They have segregated people, they've isolated them, and they've made them feel alone and cut off. And one of the most disastrous things that I have in that DMED data that you can put out and I want everybody to look at is the amount of suicides that went up in 2021. It skyrocketed because you took a, a, a creature that is designed for um, cohabitation and, and networking and connecting to other creatures of the same type and you isolated them and you quarantined them and you cut them off from life. And so 
What I say to people, just like he did, hold the line. You are not alone. I promise. There's a lot of people on this planet, and there's a lot of people here in your very neighborhood and in your backyard and in on your duty station, wherever you're at, who are right there with you. Hold the line. Don't give up because they want you to feel isolated and alone. Don't let them. You're not alone. And and there's these people out there that, that say, oh, purebred. And, and we've talked before about this. Or pure blood, sorry, pure blood. They call themselves pure blood and they, they don't want to associate with people who aren't. That is one of the most destructive things that we could do. Amen. And and we're we need to bring in everybody who's who's thinking the same way, whether they were tricked into getting this or they wanted to get it, because we can't do it alone. Everyone has to stand up and say, No, no more. This will go no further. We all need to make courage yeah, more think- contagious than fear. Amen to that. And that, and this is a, this is a line that one of my best friends, Dr. Ben Tapper often says, our, our convictions have to be greater than our complacency on this. And, uh, when they're picking you off and making you feel like you're alone, it becomes much more difficult to be courageous. But as, as you found out, Sam, as you've probably found out, Danny, as I found out, even when I was in, when I began speaking on this, when I found the courage within me to speak and to, to share my honest assessment of what was going on, always from a position of love and compassion, but being brutally honest for, for what I saw was going on, all the fears that I had, um, some were still there, but many of them dissolved. And I found a community of people who also felt alone and we started connecting. We started networking and now we're expanding and growing rapidly. I mean, I started an entire organization and we're expanding and growing rapidly and that's allowed me to connect with people like you. And that's, that's what, what happens when, when you're willing to, to have the courage to speak up and they, they're making you feel like you're alone, but you're absolutely not. And that applies to service members as well. The, uh, I remember Danny, you shared this last time and I urge you again to go listen to that podcast episode too. The actual number or supposed number um, of of service members who have received these products is much lower, I think, than they are actually uh, sharing. So you are absolutely not alone on this. And there's a uh, yeah, there, there's there's resources and people available to connect with. And that that's we actually have chapters with our organization. So we'll go ahead and wrap up there. Sam, thank you for joining us. Danny, thank you for joining. Uh, I always appreciate, appreciate your perspective. Thank on you for having me, too, on. man. Um, I love doing yeah, this. We Sam, should do this again. Thank you for doing everything yeah. that you're doing, brother. No, thank you. Say that again. We should do this again. I like this. This is fun. Yes. The three of this us. This is yeah. good. This is awesome. And I appreciate the free flowing discussion. Thank you both so much for coming on. Thank you again for joining us on this past episode. Hopefully, you were able to learn some new things from this. Please share this with all of your friends if you can. Remember, this will continue as long as we allow it. Together, let's make courage more contagious than fear.